Hello and welcome to the Suffering with Spurs podcast with me, Sean Torgerman. Uh, probably going to have to change the name of this podcast soon because there is very little suffering going on as a Spurs fan. Um, I'm sure anyone who's been a Spurs fan longer than five minutes will understand why this was originally called Suffering with Spurs because supporting Tottenham is suffering in it in in its essence. Um, there's occasional high moments, but very often they are overridden by nearly making it, falling at the last hurdle, suffering in the last four years, suffering while watching every single game, especially. But the transformation in the space of what, what the first four league games is just more than any of us could ever have imagined, I think. Um, and to go into the international break with a with a five two away win at Turf Moor is just more like I said more than anyone could really have ever imagined from this first four games. I think everyone before the season was on board with Andrew. We'd all bought into what he was trying to do, and he'd obviously uh, won us over just through his press conferences and through the preseason friendlies, but we all accepted that there was a good chance that it was going to take a little while to implement what he wanted in in competitive games. And I think we were all prepared to give him sort of a little bit of time to get it right. And we also expected that that would involve a fair few sort of bumps in the road and losses. And obviously, although Tuesday happened, we didn't even lose that game. We obviously lost on penalties, but um, it's been flawless pretty much i mean you can't really say much other else than that it's been flawless for the first four games um obviously we had a tricky first half against brentford but ever since that first half we've just been unbelievable and it's pretty amazing what's happened so we go into the international break on 10 points along with four other clubs in second place on goal difference and that's obviously the league tables irrelevant at the moment but it's such an amazing start that um I'm sure we will come back down to earth at some point, but for now, that's just a, what an amazing start he's had. And yesterday, and yesterday's game, which I was at, was um, was sort of that the epitome of that. Really, uh, when you think about last season's away games, especially in the second half of the season, the northern away games, particularly, which I attended nearly all of, and we. Apart from the last day of the season, which I didn't go to against Leeds, when the when the season had sort of gone to nothing anyway, uh, we had some horrendous, torturous days. Uh, St James's Park, particularly Anfield, which obviously turned out to be a half decent game, but five nil down after twenty one minutes at St James's Park, three nil down after fifteen minutes at Anfield. Um, awful performances away to Villa, Leicester 4-1. Like I could go on. It was just horrible going to watch Spurs away from home at the end of last season. And I said to the bloke next to me, like, how is it possible that it's only been, say, like sort of three away games, three, four league away games since the Villa game where half the fans by the end of the game weren't even watching the football anymore because it was just so, like, tedious to watch. It was such, such, there was so little going for us and the players didn't have anything to buy into because they were so they were so sort of disillusioned by the, the awful season that we'd had and the 
endless managerial changes and then within four away games because that's literally all it is we're going to teams and demolishing them away from home and I mean it, you cannot give enough praise to what Ange Postacoglu has done to the team already because it is literally mind-blowing and all you have to do is look at Chelsea and Pochettino that's all you have to look at and that's obviously something which is very nice to do at the moment because Pochettino to me I despise him for what he did for going to Chelsea. I wish he, I don't think he should have ever gone there. And I think he'll learn that too. Um, but he's come in. They've spent a hell of a lot more money than us. Um, but it's not as simple as just turning up and doing it, which shows even more what Ange has done because there's evidence that this isn't a new manager bounce. This is something real, something that people are really buying into. And the fans have bought into it like, unbelievably and the atmosphere yesterday was incredible and I was asking myself why that was why it's so incredible obviously it's great to win 5-2 and it's great start to the season um, but it is Burnley and obviously Burnley are no mugs they won the championship last year but in a normal season a win away at Burnley would be great but there wouldn't be a carnival atmosphere in the away end and the reason is because we've been tortured so much for four years since Pochettino left pretty much that we a lot of people especially me became completely disillusioned with what the club was and how it felt to support them and watching games wasn't enjoyable anymore and and you, you started to fall out of love with it a little bit and he's given that back and this team has given that back to us already so it's it's elation it's pure elation and it's it's mental because if if Postacoglu, for instance, had come in straight after Pochettino, for instance, and it was exactly like this, the the up the the uplift and the exuberance and the the elation, it wouldn't be the same because we were we from going from Poch to Postacoglu wouldn't have been such a huge transition because we were relatively successful under Pochettino. We finished top four most seasons. We played really nice football, and um, it just fell off in the last sort of six seven months. But we wouldn't have been this sort of like carnival atmosphere for the simple reason that it would have been sort of the next step. But because we had Conte, uh, Nuno, and Mourinho playing what they call prag what you call pragmatic or anti football for so long this era with Poch, with a postcoglu arriving has just has just been like a shot in the arm for everyone and that is why everyone has embraced it so much and why we're over the moon and long may it continue obviously but um to yesterday's game uh it felt at the beginning like it was going to be one of those away days again like straight away they obviously um, Porro got outpaced really when the ball got played past him. I don't think he was bad defensively. I think he literally just got outpaced. The ball, the, the ball got played in and we went 1-0 down early on, which we're very, very used to conceding early, early away goals um, from last season. So that's why it felt like, oh God, here we go again. Um, but of what we've already learned about this team and what that, to be fair, what they had last season as well is that going a goal behind in most cases will not affect them they, they've they're more than capable of coming back and that was the one thing that we did have last season is the ability to come back from behind but um 
yeah, they immediately, probably about five or ten minutes later, we started to get control of the ball and started to impose ourselves and show the greater quality in personnel that we have to um, Burnley and then obviously Sonny gets his goal which from the other end you couldn't really see what amazing finish it was but I've obviously seen it since and that sort of composure is what you expect from him and it's been lacking for quite a long time but it was so good for him to get off the mark and as we all know with Son once one goes in they come like London buses and that's he ended up obviously getting a hat-trick started both of the last two seasons in terms of his goal tally with a hat-trick which is a pretty Amazing feat. Obviously, it was Leicester when he'd gone um, the first, I think it was eight eight games, it might have been seven or eight games when he, without scoring, and then got a hat-trick coming on as a sub. And obviously, yesterday, he got um, a hat-trick and is now our top scorer for the season already. Um, but what a hat-trick it was, really, because it, that first finish was amazing. You expect the second one. And then the third one was just a, really reminded me of the Villa one, actually. Uh, where he got one of Villa uh, two years ago. Um, th- that pass from Porro, and I've seen that again as well, that pass from Porro for the fifth was unbelievable. And that's when I first saw Pedro Porro, when he was playing for Sporting Lisbon against us in the Champions League last year, I was one of the ones who was like, oh my God, here's the answer to our wing back, our right wing back problems when Emerson was obviously not playing very well going forward. Um, and it was because he had this whip on a cross and he was showing it time after time against us in the both the home and away game. And I was like, oh, imagine if we get him. I didn't know it. we had any intention of trying to get him after that, but it was we obviously did end up getting him. And we we're starting to see that ability from him because he really is technically such a good player, Poro. Um, and he not many players could pick out that pass because you could see the pass was on, but it had to be executed perfectly to get to whip it round the, the last defender into into Sun because a little bit further back, a little bit less pace on it, and it would have been easily cleared away. So that was an amazing pass. And uh, obviously, Sonny got a hat-trick, and that's amazing. And really, that, let's hope that that is a sign of things to come because last season when he got the hat-trick, we thought, OK, he's going to start getting the ball rolling again, and then he didn't score again until January. Um, and that's actually another thing that is worth mentioning. Um there are parallels to last season in some ways because we actually started last season really well as well. But even though we started last season well, I don't know how far anyone's memory goes back, but I've got a good memory. And I remember thinking that we may be winning games here, but we are not playing well at all. And remember that we obviously started with the 4-1 against Southampton last season and then we went on to... Um, beat Forest away when they battered us for long periods of the game. We had West Ham. We we beat Leicester six um, six two in that game. When I know Sonny, obviously Sonny scored that hat trick, but we actually got battered for large portions portions of that game as well. And even though we were top, I always felt like it was going to implode. I always felt like it was going to fall off because we weren't. When you were watching the games, despite the fact we were winning them and getting points, there was just a feeling that. This can't. This isn't sustainable because we're not playing well enough to keep nicking games, and it was obviously largely down to the fact that we had Harry Kane at the time, and uh, that came to an end um, at the Emirates when we were unbeaten. I think when we went there last season, we went there and obviously got um, got beaten three one, and that was the start of the sort of decline of any sort of form. Um, but. Th- those that's where the parallel those were that's where the parallels end because we started really well this season but we've started really well 
because we're scoring goals from all over the pitch and we're playing really well. And playing really well is sustainable. Nicking results when you're not playing well isn't sustainable. And we will go into that game in the Emirates, which is not the next one because that's Sheffield United at home, but the uh, game after that with immense confidence that we can at least impose ourselves on the game, um, which is not something we've done at the Emirates for a very, very long time. So that's obviously really exciting. But yeah, yesterday, um, aside from Sun, there's just just so many people that you have to praise and I feel like it's worth praising all of them. Start at the back with Vicario, who is just a nut. We'll go go with the news. Vicario, Madison, Udoji, and Van de Ven are obviously four new signings, and actually Solomon yesterday as well. Five new signings, so five players who've been who've been playing for Spurs. Obviously, Odoji was on loan um, last season, but playing for Spurs for a month, less than a month, and you would never ever know it. And that's incredible because I mean that just and it just it just shows what. And I believe this more than ever now. What a fraud Conte is. Because one of the most frustrating things about Conte Marino, and quite a few of them actually, is if we signed the new player, you would have to wait probably three or four weeks before they'd even come off the bench. Because you'd need, they talk about integrating them and teaching them our idea of football and all this sort of stuff. And you might even get excited about a new signing and they wouldn't get thrown straight in. They'd be left to sort of work out. Basuma's a perfect example last season, get little minutes here and there. And um, yeah, he, I, and I always used to think that's ridiculous because I see Pep and I see other, other managers sort of buy a player and they go straight in and they're like, learn on the job type thing. And um, Postacoglu's started five players yesterday who'd never played a minute for Spurs before the beginning of the month. And every single one of them excels in their role. And Vicario... New keeper, we didn't know much about him. We obviously saw highlights, videos and all that sort of stuff. And aside from the first half an hour of that Brentford game, where he was obviously understandably nervous because it was first his first game, he's been he's not put a foot wrong. Like, he really hasn't put a foot wrong. He's, he's, he's letting four goals so far. One of them was a, the penalty against Brentford, the deflected own goal, Van der Ven. Um, and then the two yesterday, which again, I don't think he could do anything about. But the thing we were really obviously concerned about was his ability with his feet. And I'm not, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but he looks so composed. And by, and that's really borne out in the fact that he is, even if he gets put under pressure, he doesn't just, he doesn't just shit himself and kick it out for a, a throw in, as we obviously got so used to in the Reese. He takes his time. He waits to see a pass. And even though sometimes it looks a little bit risky, he's not been caught. I'm sure he will get caught at some point because you see it with Edison. All keepers in, in we scored a goal last season for that exact reason against Man City um, away because of Edison. It does happen. It will happen occasionally. But the benefit that it gives your team to have a goalkeeper who wants to integrate himself into the play and be part of the build-up is just is just chalk and cheese from what we've been used to for so long. So he's an amazing one. Van der Ven, again, just looks like he's been there for years. He's playing in a brand new league. He's only had, I think he only had a season and a half at Wolfsburg and played at a, a Volendam in, um, in Holland before that. So not one of the big Dutch clubs. And he is just, he looks like he's played in the Premier League his whole life. He's so composed on the ball. He's obviously got that Dutch technical ability that they all seem to have. Um, he's obviously unbelievably quick, but he just never seems to be out of position. 
Um, and uh, he's, he's unfortunately scored what looks like two home goals since he's been there. But I don't, I really don't sort of put that against him. I don't think that that's an error of judgment on his part and either of them. So he's obviously been great. Udoji is the standout one for me. And I from what I've seen on Twitter, a lot of people agree with that. Udoji is, it's actually incredible that we've got a player who, he's, he's the first, I mean, we've been looking for him ever since Danny Rose went on a decline, really which was probably sort of 2017, 18 at the, at that time, Danny Rose was obviously thought of as probably the best left back in the country. Um, and then he obviously went on, on a decline. And since then we've been looking for his replacement and Udoji is it. His power, when you watch him, his ability to hold people off with his, with his unbelievably upper body strength, which he seems to have, he has this huge back that he's able to hold people off with. And he, does, he never gets phased by anything. He's so good going forward. He's happy to go on mazy runs. Um, and yeah, he's just been unbelievable. And then you've got Madison. I don't need to say much about Madison. He's the one we knew the most about before he obviously came to Spurs. But everyone's just been shocked, I think, by just how good he is. And he's. I think he's also embraced the role that he's been given. Um, and he's embraced the fact that he's come to a bigger club um, where he's going to get more recognition. He's going to... Look, Leicester, Leicester won the league and there's nothing against Leicester. Although I think most of their fans are, are annoying. Um, Le Leicester are obviously a club that have won a Premier League and an FA Cup much more recently than us. But I don't think anyone would argue that we're a bigger club than Leicester. And the exposure that Tottenham get in the media and all that sort of stuff, Spurs get spoken about a lot more. Um, so he'll he's thriving on that and you can see it. And he's obviously a bit of a showman with his, with his celebrations and all that. I'm all for that. He knows what he's doing. He knows the fans love him already and, he, and he's buying into that. And that's brilliant. But... I mean, you can't underestimate how much of an influence he has on every single part of our play because I've just never, even people say he's the replacement for Ericsson. I don't even think they should be put in the same category, really. Ericsson was a great player for us, but Madison is, his brain is so quicker than any Spurs player in recent history. The, he gets on the ball, he turns and he looks immediately. He's got no hesitation in him. His, his, Objective is how can I play the quickest pass forward in the best possible way? And if I can't, I'm going to take it on a dribble. I'm going to go around people. His, his quick sort of turn and his ability to sort of fade and cut back in is unbelievable because there's plenty of players who do that. And Kulisevsky is one of them, but Kulisevsky sort of does it in slow motion. Madison does it rapidly and very rarely does he get tackled when he does it. Um, but yeah, he's just been... A revelation. He's the one that's getting spoken about the most. And then you've obviously got Solomon, who just reminds me so much. I was saying it yesterday of Aaron Lennon with the way that he runs. He runs. He's the same size as him. He's tiny. He's got really, really low center of gravity, just like Lennon. He runs like Aaron Lennon with his arms, sort of like a diet, like a T Rex, like a dinosaur. Um, and He's all Aaron Lennon had relatively good end product and he got two assists yesterday, Solomon, which can't be underestimated. Both for Sun, played the ball at the right time. I think there's loads more to come from him. Um, he's really skillful as well. I don't think we've seen the best of that yet either. So how amazing it is to to think that all these players have just just started playing for Spurs and they're already showing this amazing quality. And that's just what happens when you've got a manager, a progressive manager who 
obviously is coaching these players to make them to utilize their ability to make the most of the ability that they have as opposed to what Conte did which was sort of just nullify their ability in a lot of senses like I genuinely believe to this day that Conte is a is a spent force his best days came at a time where like football isn't the same as it was seven or eight years ago and I I think that his yeah, he nullified a lot of those players. Like he didn't want them to sort of use their intuition to to feel free on a football pitch. And I think Ange makes these players feel free on a football pitch. Basuma, obviously, we've spoken about already so many times, is a completely different player because he's being allowed to utilize the amazing ability he has, and he's being given responsibility to go out there. And you know what you need to do: go out there, make things happen. Don't be a robot, don't stick to this structured way of playing at all times, do what you think is right in the moment. And and it's it's just transformed us completely. And yeah, that's the, the team is just playing in a way that none of us expected to, to be seeing at this time. And it, it, obviously yesterday, Sun came in for Richarlison and at first I thought it was because Ange just wanted to try something different. Apparently, Richarlison got a little knock against Fulham and that's what made uh, uh, Ange decide to play Sun instead. But it worked unbelievably. And now you've got, you don't feel sorry for Richarlison, but you imagine that after the success of yesterday, he's probably going to struggle to get into the starting lineup for now, at least. Because when he did come on, Richarlison, he... he the, I feel like the way we played completely changed. We were, he was playing with his back to goal. The ball was being played up to him for, for him to hold up, which obviously some wasn't really playing like that. And I don't know if that's the way he wants to play, but he's not obviously not got amazing pace. And that's the difference. Son, even at 31, he's still got an amazing pace. And yeah, I don't, and that's obviously going to be an issue. But I mean, great if Son can play up top, because I don't think Son's been that effective playing on the wing. I don't think Sun's ever, I think since, obviously I just said he's fast, but he's not as fast as he once was. And he definitely hasn't got the confidence that he used to have to take it round people. So um, I feel like this up the middle might actually be the best place for, for Sun to play. And you've got obviously Brennan Johnson coming in as well. Solomon looked great there yesterday. Um, we've got players who can play on the wing and I feel like we're a lot more limited with players um, up top. So he's done... He's done himself no harm in, in starting that in starting up front from now on, Sonny. Um, and th that just it's, well, that's great as well because obviously we were a little bit not worried or concerned, but Richarlison hadn't scored in the first three games, so we need someone who's going to score goals up there, even though they're not going to obviously replace Harry Kane. But there's been a big narrative about how we have to get in a replacement for Harry Kane, and now it's negligence to not replace him in the transfer market. But Andrew's made it abundantly clear in every interview that I've seen, and I've seen all of them, that he has chosen to go down this route of not spending the money that he's given on a, on a centre-forward. And I don't believe that's because he doesn't want a centre-forward. I think it's because there aren't any out there that that take his eye who he thinks could fit into this system seamlessly and there are there's a real like lack of top quality center forwards out there at the moment like, other than the obvious established ones who let's be honest we're not going to be able to get players like that there's a couple of elite ones and those are Kane Harlan and Lewandowski who are obviously not available in any way 
And then after that, you're taking risks on people. And I don't think there's any need to just go and rush in to go and get in a centre forward because we sold Harry Kane, because our team has been reliant on Harry Kane for so long that it's sort of got into a lot of fans' minds that we need a 30-goal-a-season centre forward to play every week. And that's just not the case because modern football has changed in a lot of ways. And obviously City have Haaland now, but City for years won the league without someone who you'd call a sort of big target man or a or a proper centre forward. And obviously Aguero was there for a while, but for a few seasons they played with a sort of false nine. And there's no reason you can't really do that. Um, and it was something I noticed and I remember from last season as well. Arsenal, you don't want to mention, obviously, and I've said this before, they, they scored, I think, 81 goals in the league last season and their top scorer had 15 because they shared their goals around all their forward players. I think Odegaard, 15, Martinelli, 15, Saka, 14. It's perfectly possible to get your goals from all different areas. And we've been so reliant on Harry Kane that the idea that we'd share the goals around has obviously become like a, a, a fantasy to us, which is understandable because Harry Kane's been Spurs' top goal scorer for the last nine seasons. So you you get it in your head that that's the way you score goals. And of course, centre forwards are important. And of course, that position on the pitch is important. But we're clearly proving that it's not as important as it would have been in, under previous managers. This team is a fluid team where when we're attacking, we've got five, six, seven players getting into the box at some um most occasions they're all available to score and they may not have the finishing ability of Harry Kane but Sonny's been a brilliant finisher for years as we all know Madison I mean what can you say about Madison Kulisevsky's got a finish in him um Brennan Johnson from what I've seen can finish really well like the goals are going to come from all over the place and Richarlison will chip in I'm sure with his fair share of goals there's going to be injuries throughout the season so it's, it's a great thing to just see that that Son can take on that position if we need him to. And like I said, it'd be very, very surprised if he isn't starting there against um, against Sheffield United. But then again, maybe he won't because the difference, but what we know about Burnley is that they are a team that have come up with the intention to play football in inverted commas the right way, um, pass and move, very much the way that we're now playing. And they weren't going to sort of compromise on that that philosophy for us or anyone else. And that was kind of their undoing, really, because they, they got caught out quite a lot at the back. You can imagine that Sheffield United coming to, to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium will not be sort of playing expansive football. They will be putting people behind the ball. And then maybe Richarlison will be the better sort of choice for that because Sonny isn't a natural centre forward. He doesn't go up for headers very often. Um, and he's, yeah, he may not, it may not work in, in that sort of game. So, it's good to have options, and uh, that's definitely what we've got. Um, as we know about Sonny, once he t he's always played in moments for me. He's always had really purple patches. Uh, last season aside, purple patches where he goes on a sort of six or seven game goal scoring streak, and then he sort of uh, then he sort of falls falls back a little bit, and then he goes back into it. So, I mean, hopefully, this is the start of a of a purple patch for him. Um, an amazing fact from last season is that we didn't at no point during the season did we win more than two league games in a row and we've already won three in a row here that's an amazing fact about last season is we literally didn't win more than two league games in a row which says a lot about our lack of sort of consistency and inability to really achieve anything um so three in a row already you 
you don't want to count any chickens, but you would hope that I become four in a row after the break at home to Sheffield United. Let's really hope so, because I don't see any reason that um, I don't see any reason that, that won't happen. And then after that, we go to the Emirates, and that's just going to be such an exciting prospect to go and see if we can go and outplay Arsenal at their place. Um, and yeah, one more thing about about Sonny is that. You see when he scores those goals. My dog's called Sonny, by the way, named after Sonny. Um, and when I was naming him, I was actually going to name him Potch, believe it or not. And thank God I didn't do that because he would have had to have his name changed or he would have had to be put down when he went to Chelsea. Um, and for so, I never thought about calling him anything Kane-related. And because you always had the feeling with Harry Kane that at some point he felt like he was bigger than the club and he was going to move on. At some point, you knew that was going to happen in the back of your mind. As much as I love to live in denial about it, you knew that was a possibility. With Sonny, he loves the club, like genuinely loves it. Like you can see it. Like when he's not still not even now, he's not one of those players who, when they score, sort of tries to play it cool and gets all arrogant in front of the camera. He is overjoyed. And this is a bloke who scored over 100 Premier League goals, who's a, who's a world superstar. He's the most famous person in South Korea. And he's so still elated every single time he scores. And you can see, and he's one of the very few that looks the fans in the eyes when he scores and celebrates with them. Like, he feels the pain. Like, last season, he knows what last season was like for fans, especially away fans. He knows what it was like to get humiliated at St. James's Park and and Le- and um, and Leicester and Anfield. He knows what that felt like. And you could, his celebration... And his celebrations of the goals on Saturday were him looking at the crowd like, like, yes, it's over. Those times are over. I'm with you. I can feel it. And you, you can just see it every time he he does it. And that's why it's good that he's captain. People say, obviously, like he doesn't, he's not brilliant at articul- articulating himself. And he's 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 obviously he doesn't necessarily go in for things. He's not like a warrior in that sense, but he's loved universally in the in the changing room. And he gets a bit of stick from the odd weird fan every now and again, which I cannot get my head around. He is an unbelievable player still. He's he's probably not what he was sort of three years ago or anything like that, because he's obviously 31 now, so he's gonna lose a few things, but he's still got he's still an unbelievable finisher and he cares immensely about us being successful. And I don't think there's anyone, if we did end up winning a trophy. In the next couple of years, I don't think there's anyone who would sort of deserve it more than Sonny because he, at one point, was thought of as one of the best players in world football, and he could easily have gone to any number of clubs in those in that time. And he, during the 2021 saga where Kane was talking about leaving, where there was talk about Kane going to Man City, he signed a new contract in that summer, even though. Nuno had just been announced as manager. I think he might even have signed it before Nuno got announced. There was complete uncertainty in the club. We had no idea in what direction we were going. The fans were annoyed. There was no sort of, there was no forward thinking. There was no planning. We picked the manager that was our like 15th choice and Sonny still signed a new contract when he could have easily have done what Kane had done and gone to any number of clubs who I'm sure would have bitten, um, bitten Tottenham's hand off to take him. So, yeah, he deserves all the praise in the world. It's so good to see him happy because um, it's not nice to see him when he's depressed. But that's that's just a, a real feel-good situation, uh, the sunny one. Really, really happy about it. 
Um, and so that's it. We've uh, gone into the international break with 10 points. We're not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't want to, but I am going to get ahead of myself a little bit. The sky's the limit for this season. Uh, you can say that's a very small sort of piece of evidence to use to say that we could achieve something this season. Of course it is. But what we have is momentum. And momentum is what leads most teams to what they do. And I genuinely believe that. That's what got Arsenal, I said it in, in a couple of podcasts ago, that's how Arsenal ended up getting close to the title last season because they won the first five games. They had a very easy to start to the season. They won their first five games and then they started to believe, having finished fifth the season before, oh, something could really happen here. Same happened with Leicester in 2015-16. They didn't believe for a second that they had a remote chance of doing anything. And as they had a really good start, things started to roll on and they had momentum and they started to believe. And I've always wondered what it would be like if we did have a season without Europe. And now we don't even have the Carabao Cup either. And there's, there's obviously downsides to that because we want to see Spurs games regularly where we've been used to sort of See, getting to see us play sort of twice a week for the vast majority of the last 14 years, which obviously shit, but the upside to that and the the um, silver lining is that Ange has got lo loads more time with the players on the training pitch and we only have one game a week, which is going to be massively beneficial because we don't have... <laughs> Fulham. The Fulham game proved that we don't have brilliant backup to our first 11, especially with Benz and Corp being injured. We'd 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 do really well to not have any significant injuries this season, and that's only going to be helped by having one game a week. That's what we really need at the moment because it's great. Those that first eleven's great, and there's a couple of players who can come off the bench to make a difference as well. But there's some real key positions, especially centre back, especially left back, where if one of them gets injured, then the replacement is going to be a massive drop off in quality and that actually applies now to goalkeeper as well so um that is the upside to this one game a week things that hopefully none of our players get injured in the international break we're used to that recently we've had terrible luck with players coming back from um from international break breaks with um injuries but yeah i've always wondered what we can do in a in a season where we don't have a game every week I feel like in the past, a lot of times we've been hindered by that, as many clubs are, mainly because we haven't had, we've we've had a good first 11 for the vast majority of the last sort of seven or eight years, but we very rarely had a decent backup and we haven't had one for a long time. And the Fulham game, again, was a perfect example of how, how, how massive the drop-off is in quality when we sort of play different players as we got used to over the last couple of seasons as well. So... Um, the sky is the limit. I genuinely mean it because I go into every game now thinking, why couldn't we win that? And then who knows where that can take us? I mean, you have to be realistic, of course, but we're football fans because we want to dream. And I believe that anything's possible this season. Um, I don't think City have really been tested yet. Newcastle, I know they beat Newcastle, but Newcastle have lost three games already. Um, who else have City played? They played Sheffield United, they played Fulham at home, they played Burnley away and we saw what they were like. So City haven't been tested. I know they won the first four games of the season, but you'd fully expect them to win those first four games. So I'm not talking about the title, of course I'm not, but 
let's dream about something because that's what Ange has done. He's given us the ability to dream again, the ability to believe that anything's possible this season. And it really, really is. And let's take advantage of the fact we've only got a game a week, even though it's horrible because I love watching Spurs as often as possible. But um, we're not going to be able to. And we're only going to be playing league games until the FA Cup, which sucks a little bit. But like I said, there is a silver lining and hopefully that means that we keep our players fit. So that's two weeks until the next game. Um, Sheffield United on um, the 16th at home, which you'd really hope that we would carry the momentum on and win. And um, that's when I'll be doing the next podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, and I'll catch up with you soon. Bye.